0: Whoa, 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 stay away from me. (laughs)
1: Arnie Geddon. I'm Cam Smith. And I'm Tony G. And this week, we're going under the sea. We're going deep. With Wonders of the Sea 3D. Three goddamn D, Tony. <laughs> That's a lot of Ds. <laughs> it doesn't get any more 3D than Wonders of the Sea 3D.
0: Yeah, although I guess listening to a podcast about Wonders of the Sea 3D is... A little 1D, but we'll do our best to to bring you into
1: it. Yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit different than usual, I think. Maybe just a little, in the sense like, look, we get it. No one wants to hear the plot details of a nature documentary. Well, some people might. Some people might, but most don't. And I don't think most of our listenership does who, you know... I think tunes in for movies like Terminator, Predator, Running Man, stuff like that.
0: I'm actually curious to see what our uh, download and streaming numbers are going to be for this episode, to be honest. (laughs) I think about the size of the audience for Wonders of the Sea (laughs) 3D. Yeah, it was fairly sparsely attended when we went.
1: (laughs) So this movie is really interesting in that this is the first documentary Arnold Schwarzenegger has ever narrated. Uh, He was really won over by the footage that... uh...
0: He forgot about Total Recall.
1: (laughs) That's right, that's right. Um, But yeah, he was really won over by the footage that uh, Jean-Michel Cousteau and Jean-Jacques Mantalo had gathered and really wanted to attach his name to this project. He became a producer. And I think that in itself is kind of interesting. But Tony, you know, tell the folks at home a little bit about this movie, Wonders of the C3D, that they've probably never heard of.
0: Well, it's funny because normally this is the part of the show where I give... The, the plot of the movie before throwing it back to you, Cam, where you give the box office. I feel like both of us are going to have a little bit of uh, a problem here. I have some box office stuff. <laughs> I Well, I have some plot stuff. Okay. <laughs> it's probably about as sparse as your box office. Uh, Wonders of the Sea 3D is pretty much described by its title. Uh <laughs> i hate when they
1: spoil the movie (laughs) in the title
0: yeah exactly it it is a three-dimensional film of the wonders of the sea narrated (laughs) by none other than arnold schwarzenegger so
1: tony you and i kind of stumbled across this movie a while back i think it was probably after a recording session we were just going through arnold's upcoming projects and we were like what is he doing coming up because you know at a certain point we have a limit to how many of these movies we
0: can review and we want to see new stuff coming out we wanted to cover our first schwarzenegger movie in theaters that's right we wanted to see when is terminator 6 dark fate coming out right when yeah. is when is legend of conan gonna finally hit the, hit the
1: screen i don't want to uh, burst your bubble on that one <laughs> but uh or even that um triplets? <laughs> triplets journey to china we don't know what's going on with that one yet yeah and so Wonders of the Sea popped up and then I think we wound up on YouTube going down the old rabbit hole as we <laughs> do, often do after recordings. And we were watching like international trailers for Wonders of the Sea. And, then we sp- and this movie was shot like back in like 2017 or something like that. And we were really trying to figure out well, when is this movie coming out because it's not
0: available. And in North America, it was definitely delayed <laughs> by quite a lot. It, it was, and it, was, uh, it wasn't It was just a matter of figuring out when it was coming out, but it was a matter of figuring out what was it about. What was Schwarzenegger's involvement in this project? Yeah. Do you know anything? Well, we do now, because we went to see it. <laughs> right. It had a limited release here in Vancouver, where we record this podcast, and we went to see it. Unfortunately, we were two of about seven people in the theater.
1: Right, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that, because I had a story that I never told you that night. I alluded to it. Now, a little bit of background. This movie was playing in one theater, downtown Vancouver. And I had texted Tony the location of this theater three times. <laughs> Somehow he still wound up at the wrong theater.
0: <laughs> well, you say downtown Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver's lot of layers to its downtown. Sure,
1: sure. Uh, well, yeah, Wonders of the Sea was not playing in the hot spot. You wound up in the hot spot. (laughs) You were convinced that this movie was where all the kids were going on a Friday night.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Instead, the movie was playing at the theater that is uh, above a food court in a lesser attended mall. Plays a lot
1: of uh, international movies, a lot of art house fare, and so I got there, you know, quite a bit earlier than you did, and I walked to the theater. I'm probably there about 20 minutes early, and. I'm looking around for my 3D glasses because they used to hand them out right when you got your ticket ripped. But they don't do that anymore. Now they have bins outside the individual theaters. Right. And so I walk up to the theater and I'm looking around and I can't see a bin anywhere. So I walk into the theater. Nothing in there either. I walk back out and I'm just walking up and down kind of the the, uh, hallway looking for other bins for other movies playing 3D things. I didn't know at the time, but the Peter Jackson movie, um, They Shall Not Grow Old was playing way further in the theater. I would have gone over there to grab them, but I didn't know that at that point. So I walk back.
0: I'll just I'll just throw in there. Ever since I've known you, you've walked up and down hallways looking through bins. It's true. I
1: do that very frequently. That's how we met, actually. <laughs> um, but um, I find a guy that works there. And I said, hi, um, I, I, I need some 3D glasses. Where would I find those? And he looks at me and goes, what are you seeing in 3D? And I said, wonders of the sea. <laughs> and there's kind of a blank stare on his face. And then he goes, Uh, hold on. So then he walks out and I follow him into the main lobby where all the food court is and everything like that. And he goes over and he's talking to the person that, you know, rips the tickets. This person looks equally perplexed and I hear, what are they seeing? And he goes, wonders of the deep. And then I start to hear walkie-talkies around me go off saying, where are the 3D glasses? Someone needs them for wonders of the deep. Someone needs them for wonders of the deep. And so finally, that's a bad sign. The person who's the manager walks back and says, oh, sir, you're here to see Wonders of the Sea, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she walks me to the office, grabs one pair, comes out and hands them to me, goes, here you go. And I said, well, um, I I have a friend coming. Should I get his as well? And she goes, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Walks in, grabs a second pair and gives them to me and then just closes the door. This woman felt no urgency to put out a bin of 3D glasses in front of this theater showing this movie, which leads me to believe I may have been the first person to buy a ticket to this movie.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a bad sign when several people in the theater where it's being shown don't know that it's actually playing. And the poster says 3D. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's a bad
1: sign. So, yeah, I just don't think the crowds are really you know, stampeding through the door for Wonders of the Sea. And I think we can have a bit of a discussion a little later about, you know, a nature documentary in theaters, is that a draw anymore? But we can talk about that a little later when we talk more about the quality of the movie.
0: While we're telling stories about us seeing movies that the listener to this podcast almost certainly hasn't seen, we'd be remiss not to mention the guy who was sitting in the front row of the theater filming the entire thing on his cell phone, even though it's a 3D film. So, for those of you out there who might be downloading a bad cam version of this (laughs) on Pirate Bay or something. You don't have cataracts. (laughs) Yeah. It's some guy with a late model Nokia. (laughs) I was fascinated by
1: that guy. Normally, I get annoyed when people have their phones out and I might actually say something. uh, Or, you know, nudge you to say something because I don't want to get punched out. But, (laughs) At a certain point, I'm just like, you know what? This guy's filming a 3D movie that's blurry. That is entertaining to me, so I'm going to let him keep doing it. (laughs) Did you film him filming that movie? (laughs) I should have. And yeah, he seemed really excited every time a new fish popped up on screen. He would like lean forward and like zoom in (laughs) or take a photo. (laughs) So this guy has, I feel like, a collection of video clips and photos of this movie. We can only only hope. Well,
0: We'll have to scour Twitter later.
1: Yeah. So, I'm saying, you know, the audiences were sparse for that opening show. It wasn't even opening night we went, so I don't know how many people didn't see it the nights leading up to that. But we saw it on, like, a Monday. And so, just going off the people that showed up, I became very curious about the box office for this movie. Because um, they showed it in the U.S., I believe it was a one-night-only thing, on January 17th, which is my sister's birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday, Janine. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was done through Fathom Events, and they put on a lot of uh, one-night-only showings. A lot of time of older movies. Like, I know they had, like a, I think, like a labyrinth one a while back. Right. Things like that. And they put on real special events. And so I looked up Wonders of the Sea, and the budget of this movie, I could only find one number, and it was estimated. So I don't know how accurate it is, but I'll just say it. Why not? They have it budgeted at $9.2 million.
0: I think that's probably high. Well, I got I gotta think that uh, Jean-Michel Cousteau, who's Jacques Cousteau's son, and Celine and Fabien Cousteau, who uh, are Jacques Cousteau's grandkids, I've gotta believe that that maybe that $9.2 million included a bunch of research and that sort of thing that and they were they were doing for maybe other marine institutes and that sort sure. of thing. Sure,
1: and also maybe technology for the cameras they used in this movie. Sure, yeah. Things like that. 3D cameras are expensive, so mm-hmm. it could have been that. But anyways, the domestic gross for Wonders of the Sea, as of recording, is $101,000. Wow,
0: that's amazing that they, there's even a recording for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and international, it's done $179,000. So,
0: so this has got to be the lowest grossing Schwarzenegger film released in theaters, or pretty close to it. Yeah, maybe sabotaged it first. <laughs> no, not quite, not quite. <laughs> um, yeah. So currently,
1: currently, as of you know February whatever it is thirteenth or something like that, it is the number thirty fourth biggest hit of the year <laughs> for twenty nineteen. It's sandwiched in between Moheen The Worm Valley, and Bell and Sebastian, Friends for Life. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it's early in 2019. Most of the movies doing well right now are still like 2018 releases like Aquaman and the Oscar nominee type stuff.
0: Let's see how it's doing in December.
1: Yeah, because, you know, as of this recording, the top three movies of 2019 so far are Glass at number one, The Upside, and Escape Room. So, you know, I don't know that that's that interesting, and that info will be so outdated. But I decided to look up... The top ten nature documentaries.
0: Oh, let's well, let's hear them. Yeah.
1: So, uh, the most successful nature documentary of all time at number one is March of the Penguins, which made seventy-seven million. Of course, narrated by Morgan Freeman, um, an actor who's a little disgraced at this point, but uh, that movie was very popular. Seventy-seven million, though, not like a massive, massive gross. So for number one, so it shows you that like there's definitely a ceiling e- even on like the highest grossing nature documentaries. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, followed by that, there is a ton of those Disney Earth productions. So, at number two, you have Earth. Number three, you have Chimpanzee. Number four, you have Oceans. Number five, Bears. Number six, Monkey Kingdom. Number seven, <laughs> A Beautiful Planet, which isn't Disney, that's an IMAX film. Number eight, African Cats. Number nine, <laughs> Born in China. And number
0: ten, winged migration. You know, normally, normally when we go through our box office takes of of competitors or similar yeah. films, nor- normally I find that quite interesting. I feel like all you've done is just list a day at the zoo.
1: <laughs> well, people have probably seen previews for these movies. Disney always opens them on like Earth Day, uh, and so like eight of those movies are all Disney Earth Day like motion pictures, um, and so. Where Wonders of the Sea would, would rank on this list, that's a little tricky to figure out. I don't know why it's not on the list. Um, because
0: I don't know what constitutes a nature documentary if this isn't on it. Well, it's it's got to be. But maybe it's because it's still in release or something like that. Usually
1: they put those on the list, though. That's I, why I'm a little confused. But anyways. I don't know. You're the list guy. It, it would land right between the current spots of number 24 and 25 number twenty four is Seed: the Untold Story. I don't even want to know what that one's about. and number, <laughs> number twenty five is the whale. I think we know what that one is. So currently, uh, Wonders of the Sea 3D would land right between the two of those. So in the long run, it looks like Wonders of the Sea is going to be in the t- in, you know in kind of between 20 and 30 of the all-time nature
0: documentaries. Well <laughs> just <laughs> goes to show. you... <laughs> So I guess the moral of the story here is that if you want to make a uh, top 25 all-time nature documentary you've got to give it a creative name like butterflies <laughs> or seed 2 yeah cruise <laughs> control <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes
0: yeah number 15 is cats <laughs> number 17 bugs <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, Tony,
1: I want to know just from you, were you excited about seeing Wonders of the Sea 3D?
0: Well, I was. I, w- I really was because it has been so long since I've seen a Schwarzenegger movie in the theater. I mean, we talk about it on this podcast sometimes that uh, I-, I never had a chance to see terminator genesis when i was in theaters i think i was out of the country or something like that yeah sure so, <laughs> out of the country <laughs> yeah, out of the theater yeah and uh so i've been saving myself for uh, for this podcast when we finally get to it i uh, but so i missed that one and then the the last movie i saw in theater i can't even remember um
1: i think mine was was it escape plan i think it, mine was escape plan it
0: could have been escape plan i know i know it wasn't killing gunther yeah, <laughs> and I
1: didn't see Sabotage in theaters, so yeah, I think it was... No one did. I know. or I can't remember what came first, or sorry, what came last, um, Expendables 3 or Escape Plan, but that would have
0: been it. Yeah, so I was, it could have been Expendables 3 for me. Yeah. So I was excited. I wanted to go see a Schwarzenegger movie in theater, and uh, I'm not a huge documentary fan or nature documentary fan, but I really wanted to see what they would do with 3D in an ocean right. nature documentary. And the lean running time of 82 minutes made it a little bit more appealing than like a 2 two hour and 12 minute affair. Right. So, uh, how about you? I mean, were you, were you excited to go see this?
1: Uh, I was very excited to cover something new for the podcast. That in itself was appealing to me. I guess to be completely honest, I don't think I would have gone to see Wonders of the Sea 3D... If Arnie Geddon was not something that existed. I feel like I probably would have said, eh, I can probably skip this. In fact, I don't even know if I would have known what it was. Like This podcast has made me actually delve into some of these lesser-known Schwarzenegger projects.
0: So. That's probably true. I, I think if I wasn't doing this podcast as big a Schwarzenegger fan as I am, uh, this movie, for for something that has a budget of $9.2 million or an alleged budget of 9200000 million, you think they would take... Ten or twenty grand, and throw it into marketing.
1: Yeah, the marketing for this is not good at all. Like, I, there's no awareness of it whatsoever. You know, I was actually messaging the the company that's putting the movie out. Um, asking them when this movie was coming gonna be released in Canada and they didn't even know <laughs> <laughs> and then it was announced that it was a one week only deal so we had to fit it in that week and, and we that was should, last we should, week
0: we should add that that week I think was uh, did not include weekends I don't believe
1: I'm well judging from the staff's reaction to my 3d glasses you know query no <laughs> and so yeah the movie really just you know it felt more like an obligatory showing it didn't feel like a movie that was really a lot of effort being put into the release for this and which is weird for a movie that is 3d you'd think they would actually want to open it on IMAX screens or something like that
0: yeah i gotta wonder why they didn't have it on IMAX screens because normally when there's this 3d kind of thing especially a nature documentary i mean this is the kind of thing that is made for these um or short format movie big screen production but usually constrained yeah to the your local science world or whatever
1: right exactly so tony let's get into wonders of the sea did it deliver wonders of the sea
0: (laughs) well that's a little bit of an on the nose question ken (laughs) Uh, this
1: movie is on the nose
0: put it this way i found uh i mean i personally i'm a i'm a scuba diver uh and i thought that the footage that they had in this film was Absolutely spectacular! The uh, technology that they use to film these undersea creatures is amazing. I've never seen anything quite like it in uh, a documentary or otherwise. And seeing it in three D was genuinely amazing. I think, though, that where it kind of fell a little bit short and where it was a little bit disappointing was there is kind of a hackneyed she-whiz gosh darn it story tacked on around uh Jean-Michel Cousteau and the grandkids of Jacques Cousteau traveling around the globe and reviewing old home movies and that kind of thing that just was just like a lead pipe dropped into the Marianas Trench it just sunk pretty pretty fast
1: do you want to go there now (laughs) because yeah like I agree with you I thought the footage in this movie was pretty astonishing. Um, There's just, like, creatures we get to see on screen here that I'd never really maybe even heard of. And uh, I was really wowed by, like, um, there's some sequences with, like, um, Christmas tree worms. I didn't know anything about Christmas tree worms at all. I didn't even know what they were and then when you actually see them on screen in this really really vibrant 3D cinematography we should say the cinematography is by Jean-Jacques Montalo, who's a co-director of the movie as well as Gavin McKinney um i mean it's unbelievable stuff i can understand why schwarzenegger was drawn to wanting to you know do this project and i don't know how much really how much involvement he had when this was like an international film but I think Schwarzenegger has a, quite a big amount, obviously, in the North American version. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can totally see why he wanted to be on board. Obviously, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is buddies with James Cameron. James Cameron, that's a passion of his. And actually, for preparation for this podcast, uh, today I watched Aliens of the Deep, the um, James Cameron <laughs> film. And I'll give my kind of thoughts on that later in comparison to this one. But um,
0: You should have tipped me off. I, don't I know, know. I haven't I know. seen that one.
1: I know. Uh, I want to surprise you. But... Um, yeah, so I was just genuinely curious to see this, and I think it paid off in terms of the visuals. I think this movie offers something that you can't get at home. And the thing is, in a world where you have the Discovery Channel doing these specials all the time, as well as you know all these other networks, National Geographic Network, all that sort of stuff, I think it does raise the question, is there an audience for this in theaters? And judging from the turnout, the answer is no. But I think the 3D effects and everything really warranted being seen on the, the big screen
0: yeah absolutely and it's not just the 3d photography or, or I should say cinematography that's really impressive the macro photography and the macro cinematography mm. is uh it's amazing some of the creatures that they're filming are not maybe not microscopic but filming um you know plankton and uh yeah well, f- you know, filming zooplankton and filming little nudie branches which are uh, funnily named kind of mollusk that are only an inch or two long but are very vibrantly colored and to have that kind of control on the camera both in terms of cinematography but also in terms of the technology is it's genuinely amazing to see yeah like there's
1: even a section on sea turtles and like we've all seen tons of footage of sea turtles but like how close the camera gets and how just vivid the images are like i was actually genuinely kind of in awe of how beautiful it looked
0: yeah, or some of the footage that they have of the uh, octopuses or octopi. That was my favorite part of the movie. Depending on whether you're, you know, using the Greek or the Latin pluralization, sure. Um, is uh, I mean, it was spectacular. Just the, the way the way they change color and the way those colors are picked up by the the cameras is is really um, pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, there's a section on uh, like the camouflaging abilities of the octopus and. I'd never seen it presented in such a rich way where I'm just seeing these things adapt to different environments visually. And I was kind of in awe of that. Honestly, I wish there'd been more of it.
0: Yeah, and I wish there'd been a little bit less of the stuff that wasn't that.
1: Yeah, okay, let's get into that. Let's kind of trace the narrative of this movie. Because, you know what, like, most nature documentaries, I don't know that they have a single focus other than maybe you know, the animal they're focusing on. Because I've seen, like, documentaries, like, you know, Search for the Great White Sharks or something like that, where they're looking for great white sharks in their major, you know, breeding habitats. So that's kind of the focus of the documentaries, to go to these hot spots. What is the narrative draw of Wonders of the Sea? Like, what is pulling us through this movie?
0: Well, I think it's supposed to be uh, an environmental theme. That, you know, there's ocean acidification, there's coral bleaching... There's all of these large species that are uh, threatened with extinction. And Schwarzenegger obviously has ties to that. He's a well-known environmentalist. Uh, You know, he's always, throughout his political career, has always believed that environmental issues were um, a bipartisan issue rather than a political issue and, uh, you know, implemented obviously a lot of legislation and that sort of thing and regulation in the state of California when he was the governor there. So the, the movie does, like a lot of these types of documentaries, does try and say that the, the oceans are important, the oceans are beautiful, and the oceans are something worth saving. And also this
1: film, I believe, had some financing or involvement with Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, company, too, that you know, does environmental causes. You can definitely feel that everyone's passionate
0: about the subjects, but do you think they came across well? Well, the problem, I think, is is that they really muddy it with a bunch of stuff that is, in some ways, I mean, it is related. But like I said, I mean, there's a lot of footage of Jacques Cousteau, of Jean-Michel Cousteau growing up, and there's this story, this kind of tacked on story about their family traveling around on the boat going diving.
1: Yeah, okay, so I can lay this out, I think, well, I've been telling people about this movie for the last week. (laughs) In many ways, this movie is really, really nutso. You're right, um, this movie is very odd in its structure, in that they lay out off the top, uh, Jean-Michel Cousteau, you know, is gathered with his two kids, and they kind of just say, we're going to hit, you know, some of the famous spots where Jacques Cousteau went. And so it's like places like in the Bahamas, in Fiji, California. And so you're like, okay, cool. It's kind of like just visiting, you know, old man Cousteau's famous, you know, the, the hotspots that he made famous through his own oceanographic work and documentaries. Sure, yeah. And that's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. But that's not what the movie's about. The plot becomes Jean-Michel Cousteau's secret rendezvous that he keeps alluding to. And we should say right now, Arnold Schwarzenegger was announced as the narrator of this documentary. That is not totally true. There are four narrators of this documentary, and it is the Cousteau family as well as Schwarzenegger. And so, this is uh, this is a case of the three Cousteau family members. All of their narration is tied together, and they are bantering with one another. However, they're doing it while recording all their um, their narration separately from one another. And so you have a lot of scenes of the narration of like Jean-Michel Cousteau being like, I have to get to my secret rendezvous. Oh, dad, where are we going to go? Yes, dad, you didn't tell us about a rendezvous. And he's like, I'll never tell. And you're like, what? Like, what is going on? And then they show off fish and Arnold's like, Ah, the
0: clownfish is born in the great depths of the ocean. (laughs) And you're like... It's not that
1: bad. It's like that, yes, at several (laughs) points. Uh, That's actually pretty pretty accurate, actually. (laughs) There
0: are parts. There's multiple parts. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I didn't understand what they were going for with the narration. I I mean... uh... This rendezvous thread is brought up several times that's right
1: do you remember the part where he's talking to the dolphin (laughs) about the rendezvous yeah i do and he's like hey (laughs) mr dolphin where am i going (laughs) i'm not going to tell you about my rendezvous (laughs) dad where are we going for this rendezvous (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's very stiff these people are not professional narrators by
0: by the way i think that uh in in the podcasting universe i think doing a dolphin impression (laughs) is career suicide probably (laughs) but uh, this narration is
1: really strange because you have these three bantering about a rendezvous throughout the course of the movie and then just cutting to arnold for you know scientific explanations on fish or sea life and It's a very interesting
0: choice to have Arnold be
1: the scientific voice of this movie.
0: (laughs) It is. And it's funny. He opens up. He's on screen at the start. Yeah. Right. So the movie opens with Schwarzenegger in in two dimensions, uh, just saying, hello, throughout the years, I've done many different kinds of work. But no work like this. Was he French? Well, there's three <laughs> French people, and I've just gotten it confused. My <laughs> Monsieur Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you may have seen me in Total Recall. <laughs> bon voyage, Pré- baby. Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we're. Um, but it opens, and he he kind of explains what the movie's about. How important environmentalism. Is for him, and how? Except for Total Recall, he's never done a nature documentary before. Right. Uh, that part I might have just added. Sure. And then he's, he's all he's narrating this movie, and he's almost interrupted throughout with this <laughs> family narrative that you is is very awkward and very wooden. And I think you're probably right; it was probably recorded at different times. Yes. And. Uh, and it's also not like this secret
1: rendezvous storyline is well conceived like it does feel very clunky and almost like tacked on like they felt like they had to have some sort of narrative momentum to where this is going and and people it doesn't pay off
0: (laughs) i gotta feel like maybe they were doing this for the kids it's almost like a, a children's movie in that sense maybe but even then i can't see kids really being taken in by this
1: i am curious do you remember what the secret rendezvous was
0: Weren't they meeting up with one of his friends or something like no. that? No, <laughs> they were gonna. They were gonna go. <laughs> they were finding a secret club. I think it's g- pretty they, damning that you don't know what the secret rendezvous. <laughs> they were gonna after go the movie. enjoy a mai tai <laughs> in the Bahamas. No, the
1: secret rendezvous was them going to the migration of the hammerhead sharks. Well, I remember them
0: going there. I don't remember that being the rendezvous point. Yeah, it is, because there's a whole part where... (laughs) You're right. It is a bad sign, given that we saw the movie (laughs) a week ago. Yeah. Um, Yeah,
1: there's a whole part where they go to this migration of the hammerhead sharks, which, unfortunately, was a little less impressive than I really thought it would be, um, in the fact I think there was one shark. (laughs) But, um, yeah, he's, you know, acknowledging the shark and saying overfishing is a serious danger to sharks, which, I'm a big shark guy, so I know this is a serious problem. And I, you know, appreciate any project that points this out, but... Um,
0: and it had maybe the most tortured Schwarzenegger moment in the movie.
1: You know what? You say what it is. I was going to go nuts.
0: Well, at one point, it's got all three, Jean-Michel, Celine, and Fabian, uh, all begging Arnold Schwarzenegger from different recording studios in that wooden <laughs> tone we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe with conservation efforts, maybe one day, Arnold Arnold, can you, can, you, can you do this? And he says, oh, okay. And what does he say? I'll be back.
1: And he's saying that from the point of view of the hammerhead shark.
0: Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I mean, I can see what they were getting at, but it it was a little bit flat from a narrative perspective.
1: Yeah, and I don't even think that was the end of the movie, so it really just did not pay off. I just... Why introduce really, really clunky narration like that if you don't have to? I think a lot of the images speak for themselves. And I think you could have just had the general Cousteau family set up the locations they're going to and why they're important. And then just let Arnold take over and kind of take you on a tour of these undersea kingdoms. I think that would have probably worked a little better than this really like awkwardly hammered together narrative.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I mean, maybe that's a good opportunity... To segue for because most of the people listening here haven't seen the film, right? So, Schwarzenegger, I think it kind of goes without saying he's no David Attenborough or he's no Morgan Freeman, but right, uh, how did you feel he did in actually narrating the documentary when he had a chance to do so without being interrupted? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I
1: guess he's fine, but when I go to see Wonders of the Sea 3D, narrated by Schwarzenegger. I kind of just want to hear it narrated by Schwarzenegger. I think that maybe would have worked better. Like when I see like March of the Penguins and Morgan Freeman speaking over that one, I think it works really well because you have that one single voice guiding you through this experience. In this case, Arnold, I mean, he's barely in this movie. How many minutes of narration do you think he has?
0: My guess would he probably had about... Maybe fifteen to twenty minutes of narration.
1: I was thinking twelve to fifteen. Yeah,
0: so. somewhere in there, around fifteen minutes in an eighty two minute film.
1: Yeah, and like I really do wonder how much of this was just kind of making room for him for the North American release to get this into theaters on his name. Cause I I have questions about like international versions of this movie, like who's narrating those sections or if the Cousteau family themselves are doing these parts. I just don't know.
0: Who knows? Who knows? I mean, that's one thing, unfortunately, with this movie, I I wasn't able to find too much about the production. There's a lot of names attached and a lot of dates attached, but not a lot about how involved Schwarzenegger was in the actual production of it or whether he was just brought in after the fact.
1: Do you think that Arnold has a burgeoning career as a narrator of documentaries? You know what?
0: I don't think he did that bad. I think it was... I think he's fine. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Like I say, he he maybe needs a little bit of uh, practice, but you look where he went from, say, Conan the Barbarian to Terminator 2, and you know, if anyone can get better with time and practice, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: I mean, the thing about Arnold is he's come so far in terms of his ability to enunciate. Like, You know, we reviewed Hercules in New York. I mean, can you imagine that man narrating Wonders of the Sea? I
0: can't even imagine him
1: narrating Hercules in New York. <laughs> I mean, just to see how far Arnold has come. And I think one thing Arnold brings to these projects that is invaluable is he sounds so earnest and sincere, and like he one hundred percent believes whatever he's saying.
0: Well, he clearly is enthusiastic about this. Yes, subject.
1: but have you watched the like the various trailers for this movie on YouTube? There are scenes that aren't in this documentary. I don't think of him talking about this this footage he saw and he is talking about 3d as if this man has never before in his life heard of 3d like he's giving the impression that 3d is a brand new experience that we are about to be treated to
0: that basically in real life we all live on a sheet of paper yes and this movie is going to take us off of it
1: yes like he is quoting himself as saying he was talking back to the hammerhead sharks saying keep away keep away <laughs> 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 which makes me just want to watch Nature documentaries in 3D with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what I want my life to amount to.
0: Well, to give an idea about how enthusiastic he was about this project, when I was poking around, uh, I did find an old Deadline Hollywood interview um, in which he uh, expressed the hope that the film would do for marine conservation what Saturday Night Fever had done for disco dancing. and, And what Pumping Iron had done for gym memberships.
1: Okay, I'll give him the Pumping Iron one, because that's an unlikely movie to take the world by storm. Um, and it's a documentary, of course. However, the um, Saturday Night Fever is a very strange choice to make.
0: Well, I I, I can't speak to it. Uh, you know, as much as I'd like to think that we have that kind of clout here on Arnie Geddon, uh, Schwarzenegger hasn't been beaten down our doors with interview offers, so... <laughs> well, no, that's true. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, huh, interesting. I mean maybe maybe in a world where these movies weren't airing on tv every single day it would have had that kind of opportunity but i don't know tony i brought it up earlier in the show do you think there's a a future for these types
0: of nature documentaries in theaters don't you feel that there's a little bit of a glut of these i mean even it seems like there's a lot of them even the ocean documentary subcategory seems to be uh all over the place you open up your netflix account and there's you think you've got the blue screen of death before you realize it's just icons for nature documentaries
1: yeah and when you see like those bbc ones like uh life and uh you know blue planet and things like that they have done stuff that's so incredible and beyond the realm of what most of these documentaries could even hope to achieve in 82 minutes i don't know that there's an argument to be made for like convincing a family to shell out $1,650 1650 a person to come see this movie in a theater.
0: Maybe if it's attached to A Day at Science World or A Day at the Aquarium or something like that. Yeah. That's kind of the, the feeling that this movie has. It's it's almost like an educational film that you see at one of these institutions, right? The, yeah. Where you sit the kids down and dad runs and gets drinks and hot dogs while uh, you watch maybe a half hour to 45 minute show like this this is 82 minutes (laughs) i know i I know so it's clearly a different kind of movie and i'm actually curious to know how much of the movie uh was actual nature footage and how much of it was the tacked on narrative of them riding around on boats and yeah yeah meeting up with their friends and stuff like that
1: oh for sure but it's just like the undersea footage is so good that it deserves to be seen in 3D. It's just like, I feel like the time to do this would have been back in like 2009, 2010, right after the 3D boom post Avatar. Mm-hmm. When people were really hungry to see these images in 3D, whereas like now I don't know that that's a huge drawing point anymore
0: for well, people. We, well, we do know for a fact. We do Cause know. Cause, yeah. Because we were in the theater and, uh, it's the It was the kind of theater where if you coughed, it would have echoed for 15 <laughs> minutes.
1: But there's a shot in this movie. I don't know if you remember it, but it's when they go on their night dive. Mm-hmm. And they're going under, and it's all in 3D. And it is incredible looking and very ominous and scary. And frankly, there's no way in hell you'd ever get me on one of those night dives.
0: Oh, I can speak from experience. Night dives are amazing. And this movie made it look even more amazing. But... One thing I will, maybe this movie will find life after its limited release here in, um, you know, midnight showings at the aquarium or something like that. The way they have the laser show at the planetarium and that kind of thing. Sure. You know, you can see maybe Pink Floyd or the Doors playing over top of this (laughs) to a a bunch of uh, stoned university students. Uh, learning about <laughs> I'm making air quotes here they score it to like tool music <laughs> yeah something like that you know and I mean and maybe that's something too I, I found the music in this film to be um sometimes a little bit questionable yeah I mean uh, it was done by
1: Christophe Jacqueline um uh, it was fine I don't I don't know if I really noticed it that much to be honest
0: I think playing you know kind of an Arabian nights themed tune while the moray eel comes out of its hole was <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember that yeah i remember it jumping jumping right out yeah. i mean really i mean when you get down to the narration and the music here yeah that uh, that's what this movie i think would be best as is if you just took a cool synth wave track and put it over the actual nature footage sure yeah yeah
1: There was some interesting editing going on, too, and you pointed out during the movie.
0: Which is always uh, something that you love, I know.
1: Yes, and there was a little bit that was really weird about two crabs uh, fighting over a shell. Uh, Do you want to just lay out that whole bit?
0: Yeah, sure, and it wasn't just this scene. There was a few scenes like it where, again, they're trying to put a little bit of a story to these uh, creatures that are trying to anthropomorphize them a little bit there's a
1: lot of um a lot of narrative about the relationships between various sea life throughout this movie some of them really work like some of them make total sense mm-hmm. but some of them were a bit of a stretch such as this one
0: yeah so this is a little subplot if you will of uh how the hermit crab needs to find a new shell and there's always another hermit crab looking for the uh the same shell and uh uh-oh, the uh, hermit crab has flipped itself over and is going to be in trouble if uh, if the other hermit crab gets there because he'll rip him out of there and yeah. and take his shell. And so they're they're setting this up where, you know, you can imagine the nature documentary. Uh, who knows if he will flip himself back over in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, in Schwarzenegger's voice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, and really what they're doing, though, is they're just cutting from a close up shot of one hermit crab and then cutting to another close up shot of another hermit crab and it's something that you would almost see in a nature documentary from like 30 years ago yeah like
1: the days when Walt Disney started doing them and like had people convinced that like lemmings like run off cliffs like a lot of it was staged
0: and that yeah and that's what it was it was basically they they'd taken this footage which was uh, again, an incredible footage, yeah. and had just edited it together in a story that almost certainly was not occurring when they were doing They were just filming their hermit crabs and then took uh, took some of that footage and cut it together and had a clunky story over top of it.
1: Yeah, because these creatures are never seen in the same frame.
0: Yeah, never. <laughs>
1: and so, yeah, it's a little clunky. And like later on they do a similar story, but in that case they actually show the two creatures... Um, together in one shot. You know, I think it's like two crabs looking for cover in the same place or something like that. But you actually see the two of them in the same shot. So it actually...
0: Well, you see two crabs Uh, in the same shot. I'm willing to go along with that one a little more (laughs)
1: so. Um, But uh, yeah, like, what did you think of the ending of this movie? Which kind of builds that whole kind of like... Merciful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But there's a whole bit where they're talking about like, you know, we need to find sustainability in the oceans and all that. And it is very doom and gloom. And then they're like, but we've done 4%, you know, 4% of the ocean is now protected. So we're pretty good. It kind of gave this weird optimistic beat at the end where I'm not sure that that was earned considering the reality of the situation.
0: Yeah, definitely the footage of the dead coral after seeing the um, footage in such vibrant color, especially. Yeah. So seeing this dead coral with almost no life on it compared to living coral. Uh it was, you know, clearly in there for dramatic effect. I actually don't know if that footage was footage that the Cousteau's had shot as well. It's it seemed like the the kind of stock footage of Yeah. it it, yeah. Se- it seemed like the stock footage of dead coral that you you've probably seen before. Right. And 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 that was one of the maybe the issues with this with this movie is its message was, was just that it was things are bad, but they could be better. Right. And they weren't really that good at convincing us that they were that bad or convincing us that they could get that much better. Or even like really,
1: really laying out what the steps we need to take are. Like Mm -hmm. I get it. There's probably a lot of nature documentaries that lay it out pretty thick. Some of them probably. But in this case, I felt like it was so thin. You're kind of like, Huh? Oceans are bad. What? What do I do? And then it doesn't really give any sort of answers. It's just kind of like, we're at 4%. It's pretty good. But we can do better. The end. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what, what do I do to do this? Like, you know, I've seen other documentaries, like, say, like, The Cove, the one about the dolphin hunting. Yeah. That actually gives, you know, information at the end. Like, email, you know, these people to, you know, sign on to their, uh like, their uh, petition. Or here's the website to go to if you want to get more involved. Like, I think they maybe should have done a little more of that or made it a little more pronounced in the film
0: maybe and i don't know if that's what this movie was going for if it was a failure of storytelling or if they were going more for the idea that if we show these creatures in such detail and show how interesting they are that people will get interested and motivated and that in and of itself will be enough to to make change happen
1: I mean, I would hope so. But then again, as we just said, like no one saw this movie. And so it's kind of like, well, it <laughs> yeah.
0: kind of falls on deaf ears. So what do you think the life of this movie is going to be after its limited theater release? And that's one of the things that I was thinking of after I left the theater, which is you've mentioned movies like The Cove or Blue Planet. Yeah.
1: Or even Sharkwater. Sharkwater. Those ones came out recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And these are movies that I can't say that I've watched them recently, but if I wanted to go home and watch one of these movies, I could on, yeah. on, my, on my TV at home.
1: I mean, hopefully Wonders of the Sea winds up on Netflix. I think that's the best kind of place for it.
0: But will this movie have the same impact in two dimensions as it does in three dimensions?
1: No. No, but I don't think... Putting out 3D documentaries at this point is going to be that much of a draw, especially in the same theater where that Peter Jackson one is playing with the World War One footage that's been colorized. I mean, that is such an audacious documentary that it's offering something you can't get anywhere, whereas like this one is kind of offering you something you can get at your local science world or, you know. Place like that or a aquarium or things like that Mm -hmm. so i just don't know that it offers anything that's that new to the table it's more just like yeah this footage is really cool and maybe you haven't seen this exact footage before
0: i should add that we've made several references to your local science world yeah yeah uh which i actually people are like what the hell are they talking about (laughs) yeah what planet do these guys live on science world in uh vancouver is uh, it's a science education amusement park type thing that's built into the globe that was built for the 1986 World's Fair yeah. in in downtown Vancouver. Uh, I actually don't know if there's a Science World analog in other cities. There around. has to be, right? <laughs> I know there's saying a an Experience Music Project in Seattle, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I I don't know. But if you if you don't have a a Science World in your city it's time to lobby your city council (laughs) because it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, and, you know,
1: the one thing I'll say is I referenced that I watched Aliens of the Deep, the James Cameron documentary, Mm -hmm. in prep for this because I was just curious, you know, this is a project with kind of no hype behind it, whereas, like, uh wonders of the deep or uh aliens of the (laughs) (laughs) don't you call it wonders of the deep you sound like a you should go work for the theater no kidding (laughs) Uh, whereas like aliens of the deep is directed by james cameron no
0: you're thinking of aliens (laughs) are you confusing aliens in the abyss no (laughs) you're
1: thinking of ghosts of the abyss the other documentary james cameron directed uh aliens of the deep um, is the one I watched. And it was an IMAX documentary that came out maybe a decade ago, a little more, and was a bit of a bigger hit. It made about $9 million um, domestically, and I think $13 million worldwide. But I watched this thing, and honestly, I walked away with more appreciation for what Wonders of the C3D did, whereas I found Aliens of the Deep kind of dry. I mean, it's a lot of talk about tech that they're using to take these submersibles underwater. It's a lot of footage of like rock foundations and plankton. And that was about it. And then a lot of well when we go to space and go to, into their oceans, we're going to find undersea kingdoms populated by aliens and the entire ending of the movie is a submersible of scientists, who the scientists we've seen in the movie, going into an alien world and being greeted by aliens underwater.
0: That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? It's weird as hell. And are like, are, are they the kind of aliens like, from aliens? It's more like the Abyss. Ah,
1: I see. It's more like the Abyss. But, um, I mean, the thing is, like, the James Cameron one, I never felt like this great passion to it. um, Or, like, the footage was so amazing that I couldn't see it anywhere else. Whereas I think Wonders of the Sea offers that. The Cameron one is more just kind of interesting because you're seeing James Cameron explore, you know, where he's, like, in these submersibles going down. We're like, this is so weird. So
0: so there you go. I mean, even though Wonders of the Sea 3D has its failings... Yeah, like, it, it's
1: almost hilariously, like, naive in its, like, narration and storytelling. But it also offers, I think, more of an experience, like a cinematic experience than, like, mm-hmm. at least the James Cameron one, Aliens of the Deep. I can't speak to Ghosts of the Abyss. I haven't watched that one. But Aliens of the Deep, for sure.
0: Yeah, I feel like Wonders of the Sea 3D is... An interesting addition to the ocean documentary genre. Sure. Without really being a necessary one.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's the sort of thing that, like, you know, if you wind up at it, you're going to enjoy watching it for the most part. But it's probably not going to stick with you that much. And, uh, you know, that's kind of its lifespan. I think it's going to wind up in libraries, uh, Netflix or something like that. Uh, Maybe they play at the odd time at, like, you know, aquariums, things like that. I mean, hopefully... It has some sort of life, but I don't know that it will. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's name will probably get it something. Mm-hmm. Like it, It'll probably just stick around for the novelty factor of that in, in some way. I don't really know what that is now. But just in its current form, I think it's totally watchable, but kind of unremarkable in terms of like a, a, a narrative film that you're watching. It, you're going for the footage. You kind of got to divorce yourself from you know a lot of the cheesy narration and music
0: like i say i think it would be probably best enjoyed to put it on mute and maybe put on dark side of the moon or something like that
1: (laughs) okay so i think that wraps up wonders of the sea 3d the golden star nominee of 2017 by the way from the algauna international film festival well there you go. Yeah. We and El should... is is uh, an Egyptian tourist resort in the Red Sea, just so you know.
0: Well, thanks, Cameron. I had no idea that uh, there was a Golden Star Festival. And I, until today, I didn't know where El was.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there you have it.
0: Okay. So, Tony, what are we doing next time? Next time we're going to visit a movie that definitely more people have seen than Wonders of the Sea 3D. But I can't promise that it's going to be better <laughs> we're watching uh batman and robin and we're gonna have a very special guest uh for next next time as well aren't we
1: yeah we are for sure and uh i think that's gonna be really fun and you know if you were mesmerized by the hypnotic colors of wonders of the c3d oh the hypnotic colors of batman and robin are going to be out of this world for you
0: that's right if uh wonders of the c3d is like god's coloring book batman and robin is like uh, throwing up on yourself at a party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can leave feedback for us at any place you pick up your podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, etc. You can, of course, reach us at Arnie pod on Twitter or ArnieGeddonpod at gmail dot com.
0: You can find me at Cam in very beautiful underwater scenery. Smith. You can find me tony g at arniegeddon.com that's tony like the name g like the letter and arniegeddon.com like arniegeddon.com you can also go direct to our website arniegeddon.com uh, and see all of our lovely photos and text cam you've done a hell of a job formatting that site thank slate.
1: you thank you okay so we'll be back with batman and robin